We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Wagyu beef at the DNBR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. So you all can now come down, build your own delicious hassle cattle Wagyu beef burger, add all the toppings you want, and then enjoy the watch parties with the finest beef. Hassle Cattle is now offering DNBR listeners a buy three, get one free on their flank steaks. These delicious steaks are lean. They're very flavorful. They should be thinly sliced against the grain when carving. And they're an ideal choice if you're looking to marinate. These steaks are super affordable. They're $9.99. And now you can buy three and get another one free. Use code DNBRFLANK. There's a there's a space in between. Oh, maybe there isn't a space in between. Um, but use that code at checkout. That's D-N-B-R-F-L-A-N-K. I believe without a, 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 a space at checkout for your buy three, get one free. Um, also, you can still use that DNBR10 code for 10% off your entire order if uh, for some reason you don't like flank steaks. Um, again, Hassle Cow Company, it's the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. They ship all over the country, but they are a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. Um, they call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu uh, because it is the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. It's seriously great meat. Um, they, they have so many different products from the Wagyu smoked sausage, the New York strip, the beef bacon, uh, Wagyu franks without any fillers, uh, different jerky flavors. They win all sorts of awards. And again, you can get four flank steaks for the price of three if you use the code DNBRFLANK um, at HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Blue collar steaks. We are blue collar guys. Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Pod. I'm Justin Michael. Oh, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure I want to get that in there. I'm with Andre Simone. I'm with Jake (laughs) Schwanitz. I'm with Henry Chisholm. I already messed up the intro, but that's okay because we're talking NFC draft grades. It is a good day. How is everybody doing? I'm doing great. I think uh, we're about to hit the stretch where the Nuggets and Avs play basically every night. But during this opening stretch where it's just the Avs playing every other night, I've had these recovery days in between games that I really appreciate. And so days like today, we're back on game day. Just a, just a beautiful morning, and my voice is almost back. Tough. Proud of you, tough Hank. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really tough. Really tough. Um, you know, I'm starting to get hyped about this uh, 2022 draft already. You know, we are just talking some QBs, a, a little Devi fantasy decision I had to make. I'm excited to get into that, but first, let's recap this uh, this NFC. Also, loving on the scouting side the hires the Broncos are making. Um, Me too, man. You know, for starters, bringing on uh, the diversity is great, but I love having an assistant GM who's like a scout scout. Um, and I love, this is very like Tim Conley, Masai Ujiri. Totally. I Obviously, as a draft guy, I think we can all agree you love a front office where the background and the decisions are made by guys who are scouts, who at their core want to be in sweats, traveling the country 250 days a year to find that one gem that no one else has found because they're outworking everyone else because they just love this stuff more than we love this stuff, which is saying a lot. And then, uh, you know, I gave a shout out to the 
um, new West regional scout and, uh, you know, only regional scout I've ever written up because he's a guy that's always stood out to me during pro days. He really stood out to me during the 2017 pro day tour where I was at CU, CSU and, uh, Larimer, I remember kind of bugging him after the punter workout. Who was the CSU punter that was uh, good in 2017? Uh, Hayden Hunt. Hayden Hunt, right. Still don't get how he's not in the league. The most accurate punter I've ever seen in my entire life. It's really crazy. I was thinking about him recently, too. Um, And, you know, I remember bothering the Falcons um, scout, Joe, right, is the the last name, um, about some some O-lineman's arm measurements, you know? (laughs) So that was a fun interaction. (laughs) Sure, he doesn't remember me, but I've always kind of appreciated and noticed how he commands a room among scouts um and it shows they're just up dudes that of, stand out like you just notice that there's always three or four of those dudes that's clearly just like these dudes are running shit like these are the guys that, that know what they're doing 100 percent. so exciting stuff there and i think um more to get into on other trends and what we're seeing around the league so always love doing these with you fellas uh we have no east coast biased in fact uh we are anti-least coast and uh we shall start out west where the NFC West, I mean, the two Western divisions, probably the most loaded in the NFL right now. We should start with the Niners because they drafted first. Um, how are you guys feeling this? I think in the end, we all felt vindicated that they took the more logical football player. You're the only one who stood true and mocked Trey Lance till the end to the Niners. So you get to start us off, Jake, with the Niners grades. What you got? I really enjoyed this class overall. Um, I thought it was solid all the way throughout. I love the shots that they took on day three, uh, taking Trey Lance mm-hmm. and having, I guess, just the balls to go up and trade, mortgage some of the future and really make that move. I love that. Uh, just understanding where they are as a team. Uh, even in the mid rounds, Aaron Banks, Trey Sermon, uh, just guys that can come in and really contribute this year and from there on out. I gave it an A. I mean, I love the shots on Tano Hufanga, Eli Mitchell, uh, Demo- how do you say his name, Hank? Diamador Lenore? Yep. Yeah. Um, Failed it. So, yeah, I gave it an A, man. Uh, are we doing the future starters thing again, too? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, lay it on us. What do I have them at? I gave them four top 100 guys. So let's uh, let's set this up four and a half. Over, under. I was going to say three and a half. So I guess I'm slightly under. I mean, it's still a pretty decent number. I think, I mean, hitting four starters would be a great draft. Yeah, that'd be huge, especially because you assume they won't be drafting here again for long. We should remind people in Shanahan's vaunted tenure with the Niners, they've had a lot of picks in the top 10. I mean, a lot. One Super Bowl appearance and like four top 10 picks. That's, that's a crazy ratio right there. Um, what I find most interesting, though, before you guys give us the your grades, Hank and Justin, is with Aaron Banks and Trey Sermon, and to some extent, Trey Lance as well. And we saw this with the Rams last year, but these zone-blocking gurus are shifting more and more to gap power, like quickly, because Aaron Banks ain't isn't your zone lateral mover. He's, he's, a, he's a Notre Dame offensive lineman. He's a strong anchor. I really liked him. I thought he was neck and neck with guys like Wyatt Davis. I like that pick too. Maybe reached a bit in the top 50, but whatever. And I think Sermon, they've gone with so many speedy backs. Sermon really gives them some punch. 
that they didn't have. And I think Hank will be a fan of their day three picks. Uh, to me, that's really what salvages this. I don't know that they got all the value they needed in day two. And to me, we got to have that conversation of, did they need to trade up? Like, where did Justin Fields go? 12th overall, right? Justin Fields, for me, was eighth on my board. Trey Lance was ninth. So I don't know. I would have stayed put, kept that draft capital, and let those QBs fall to me. Obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty. But um, Justin, what you got? I would take the under on four and a half starters, but barely. I'm I'm really intrigued by these DBs that got out of the Pac-12, and I think if you get a couple of those guys to pan out, you probably do hit the over because I I think Sermon will start. I think Brooks will start. I think you know obviously they take Trey Lance. He's going to start, but. To me, I just I feel like they, they did a good job of adding explosive talent into an offense that was already, you know, stacked with some pretty exciting players. You got a ton of speed on the outside. You got Kittle. Now you kind of add that dynamic running back quarterback into the mix. And I know they got, you know, some other guys. But like you said, they finally have like that true power running game. I think they'll be able to lean on that a little bit. And that should help Lance, you know, not put it so much on his shoulders. Just a really solid draft. And I think, you know, like you said, I'm, I love Mac Jones to death. But it just, it wouldn't have made sense at three, not with Lance and Fields still sitting there. I feel vindicated about all of our pre-draft process evaluation now. Yeah. Hank, what you got? Um, I, I really like the Trey Sermon pick. I, I think that, like you brought up, they get so many of those speed guys that having somebody with some power, it, you just need a mix. You, you you need to have different types of guys back there, especially if you're going to do what they do and rotate through so many running backs. I uh, don't necessarily love the fantasy value for that reason, but that's not what this podcast is about. Um, I want to use the rest of my time to talk about Talano Ufanga. He's a, uh, he is so good. He is so good. And yes, he's small. He, he ran like a four or six or whatever, but he just makes plays, winning plays. And I remember out. when a 4-6 for a box safety was smoking fast. That's, yeah. That's just me, though. I'm retro. Yeah. Seriously. And what did Alvin Kamara run? We love this stat. Like, <laughs> yeah, folks. Thank you, Hank. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Hammer it away. Yes. As a defensive Alvin Kamara? Uh, yeah, maybe. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, there is, a, there is a chance. He just doesn't have the tools to, to play NFL football. But I really do think that he is just such a game changer that if he can get by and you know even get pushed around a little bit in the running game, he will make up for that for you. Um, and feels like a classic day three pick, right? Like a guy with a ton of upside, a lot of raw skills, but he's got to put it together. He's a game changer, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, and you get a guy like that who's the heart and soul of a defense, somebody who all reports are positive. There is nobody who doesn't like him. Plays a lot like uh, Troy Palomalu. Has been working with Troy Palomalu. I, I we know how I feel about Tano Ufanga, and this is my last time getting to talk about him. I really do think he's going to be really, really, really good. Well, and you know they've got that Robert Sala. They're doing that cover three. He can be that that box guy while you've got the deep safety, and uh-huh. at least it's a fit where he'll have a chance to succeed. And while it's a deep backfield, you know. Mitchell, we've always been a fan of out of Louisiana. You were saying fantasy value. If you're looking for just a late round flyer, put a little star by his name. Just keep put that name under your hat. Um, What's your letter grade? Because I think Jake was the only one that actually gave a letter grade. I went a little harsher just because I didn't think they maximized the value. So for me, it's a full B. Hank? 
I'll say B plus. I mean, it, this didn't get a. They did get some of my guys late, but yes. when you look through the early picks, it's like ah yeah yeah, and it's my grade. I'm giving them a B plus. I'll give them an A minus. I think Trey Lance at three was a, a phenomenal decision. I love that they added Sermon. Brooks is a little bit of a reach, um, but you know, overall, pretty pretty solid class. I'm I'm intrigued by this 49ers team. I'm intrigued by a lot of these draft classes, even like mm. Seattle, who I guess we can go to next. They only had three picks, but Dwayne Eskridge, man, at number 56 with Russell Wilson, I, I it's a bit of a reach, but it, it's just one of those situations where I kind of trust the Seahawks to get this right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they already have big targets on the outside too, so... Yep. You had this guy come in to kind of eat up the middle, mm-hmm. take the top off. Um, I mean, it fits what they have, so it makes sense. I don't know much about Trey Brown. Uh, Stone Forsyth, I thought, was okay. I mean, it's a decent six-round pick. There's just not much to go on here. It's like a C-minus, man. I mean, what over are we doing? Over one under starter? one and a half? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. For me, it's two top 100 guys because I actually thought Forsyth, the uh, left tackle out of Florida – Look, not the greatest run blocker, but he's a guy who has the length and is a solid pass protector and held his own in the SEC. That's the Seahawks game. They want to have more time in the pocket to bomb it deep, and you added two guys that give you a much better chance of doing that. So you got to like that. And Brown, at least they're going away from their mold. Kind of a smaller twitched-up corner might allow them to do a little more in sub and stuff considering where they're picking with just three picks only one in the top hundred it's a c plus for me to to come away with what i think could be two potential future starters would you have gone tackle with that first pick just given the history and their inability to protect him and all the drama surrounding russell wilson supposedly wanting out i mean who did the you counter is it could very point. easily not pan out. And again, like off the top of my head, I don't remember who is still on the board at 56. I think most of the guys we loved were gone at that point, but you could have got Mayfield, there, right? Was Brown third round? Spencer yeah, Brown was there. Yeah. To develop man though. I mean, that's the kind of situation I kind of hate Spencer Brown. In. Yeah. You know, that's just, he has that's to a good pan point. out. Yeah. Throwing him to the wolves and being like, okay, time to pass protect for Russ, who might go off script. You know, it's a good point. We're going to drop back 35 times and try to bomb it deep 15 of those, and Russ is going to go off script for seven of those. So hang on tight, kid. Um, tough adjustment, tough adjustment. It, but they do need to do more for that run game. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's great Eskridge and all, but they got shut, that offense got shut down in the second half of the season because they couldn't run it. So, could Russ even see over Spencer Brown? <laughs> yeah, <I mean, laughs> Foresight's six seven too. So like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, what more can you say? And, and, and <laughs> anything else on the Seahawks class? Frankly, though, this is one of the the highest grades I've given to a Seahawks draft in many moons, like many many years. So that's saying <laughs> something right there. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. I mean, real quick on Eskridge, I obviously really liked him. I don't know that it's a plus value even at that point in the second round. You know, that's that's really like, like when you can't give him like a plus there, plus for the others, it's it it is like a C minus probably. C. Hank himself, that's harsh. I will say, like we saw at the Senior Bowl, you just give him a one on one in the slot, he'll carve you up. Yeah. With DK and lock it outside, you have you have to. 
single him on your on your nickel corner. And let's face it, there might be like uh-huh. five really good nickel corners in the league, you know, who if you that. carve up. Yeah. Um, right. That was a general, like a conservative estimate. So it, it'll be fun. You know, it's uh, when AJ would do these pods, we'd talk a lot about YOLO picks or YOLO drafts. It's <laughs> kind of a YOLO pick. It's yep. like, yeah, sure. It'll be lit to have Eskridge in the slot. Will will the offense really be fixed? Yeah, probably not, but who cares? I mean, <laughs> worst case, you got a new returner, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's about the returner worth a second round pick, though. <laughs> that's the thing, exactly. When you can well, get like, a UDFA I mean, off the street that can return punts, I suppose the greater. I guess it's okay to go down this tangent. The The greater elephant in the room of this draft is, well, why don't they have so many picks? Because they overspent on Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, who frankly in the playoffs seemed like a bit of a luxury pick. Um, and we just talked up Talano Hufanga, box safety that dropped. And you like the box safeties can be found at, at a non premium value. You spent all like a quarterback level trade for jamal adams and i don't know man um i love jamal adams but no way in hell was he worth that he's super it's like people who love michael parsons michael parsons it's like or jonathan abrams these guys who come downhill and blow guys up they're super fun but then like how many how many matchups are you taking off the field how much do we have to game plan for you going into the week. Jamal Adams needs to step that up or that trade's going to be off and the Seahawks with this window while Russ is in his prime are are kind of wasting it away, right? Um, then, you know, we need to see with the Rams what the Stafford trade ramifications will be. That, but that's another team that's mortgaged their future, not just on Stafford, but time and time again, um, Brandon Cooks and then, you know, uh, James Ramsey. Ramsey. So they're a very top heavy team. We might as well get into them where you need more depth and stuff. And again, like Tutu Atwell, really fun pick going with the wide receiver. Deep wide receiver class, though, was that your priority in round two, especially with some stud centers remaining um, and that arguably being your biggest need? Who wants to start us off? I that was a I, win decision. Yeah, yeah, At, Atwell got picked one pick after Eskridge. I, I think Eskridge is significantly better. And while I think that that's like, yeah, Eskridge, 24 pick in the second round, sure, we can get behind that. Atwell, it's like, yeah, no, that was just a straight-up reach. Um, and then from there, again, it's just not not my guys. Not not who I would have targeted. You know, there's stuff to like about Bobby Brown from Texas A&M. He wasn't one of those guys who caught my eye. And when I look through this. Disappears way too much. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge fan of, of their draft either. I'll give, I'll give them the D plus. D plus. Hank coming yeah. out spicy today. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Like Criticizing no. the Eskridge pick, giving out. No participation trophies around here. Had a baby. It's either good or bad, and this was bad. Um, it did feel very much like the draft of a team who has depth issues. So instead of going off, just picking the best picks, it's kind of some higher floor guys who have the measurables. They come from big conferences or what have you. 
But yeah, like, are you ecstatic about it? How many top 100 guys do you have in here? Well, would we set that out? For me, it's one. One, one yeah. guy. And yeah, you didn't have a ton of picks high, but you did have two top 100 picks. Um, so that's a little underwhelming. It's a C- minus for me, um, just because of that fact. Uh, Justin, go ahead. I'm, I'm right along those same lines. I, I wouldn't go quite as harsh as Hank did. I do think... You know, like you said, they they added a, a plethora of different positions. So just statistically mm-hmm. speaking, some of these guys are probably going to pan out. But I don't know. I'm just like like Ernest Jones at 103. I, I think you could have done a lot better value there. I, I don't know a ton about the Maryland running back Jake Funk, but I did read some stuff that there's some some intrigue there. But again, like I, he feels like a guy that you probably could have picked up as an undrafted free agent. Like, did you have to take him there? I'll give it a I'll give it a C, and I'd put the over under at like two and a half starters. The skill positions they do have some like fun guys. Jacob Harris, who's an older like big wide receiver who might be converted to tight end, is fun. I He's intriguing, but again, like guys, right? Would you rather have Warren Jackson as an undrafted free agent or spend the draft capital on Jacob Harris there? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a it's a great point. Um, Jake, where do you fall on this? I think I'm more so with Hank. I'm not a big fan at all. I mean, I'd probably give it like a D plus if I'm feeling spicy. I mean, two two Atwell just doesn't make sense. I mean, you've got a really nice top three in Cup, uh, Robert Woods and Van Jefferson, and then you add Deshaun Jackson, and then you just bring in two two Atwell. I don't really, I I don't understand the fit. I mean, obviously Deshaun Jackson has had the injury issues as he's gotten older, um, but just taking a top 50, I mean, 57th overall on a guy that really can only just stretch the field and is one of the smaller wide receivers in a very small wide yes. receiver class. Um, the depth I get that point, Andre about just trying to add depth. And they did focus a lot on the defensive side of the ball um, with that depth. It's just, yeah, just not a lot of names that excite me. I'd say probably one and a half, maybe two future starters D plus. Yeah. I will say Atwell, in their offense, where they're always in that tight 11 personnel, so three wideouts, and they're in tight, so they've got more space to work with from there. Um, Atwell, and they also, from there with the slot, love to run a lot of jet sweeps pre-snap. So he's going to be able to stretch the defense horizontally with those That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. And then vertically um, with, of course, with Stafford, you're trying to stretch the field a little more. But yeah, it feels like a luxury pick 100%. Um, and again, I think it's notable, a zone blocking team with the biggest need at center passing on Creed Humphrey. Yeah. Notable to me, man. Yeah. Um, and worse, they let him fall to the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. Screw the whole league in the process with your poor decision making. Hundred percent. Uh Arizona Arizona Cardinals and uh Zaven Collins, Rondell Moore, the one two punch. Could do worse than that. Could do worse. Really fun one. Like if you were doing a, a Madden class where you're, you know, picking like who are the most fun players I could add? Zaven Collins and Rondell Moore would be up there for me in terms of just like these guys are just fun. I don't know if Zaven Collins is gonna translate or not. Yep. But I'm really rooting for him too. Uh-huh. And at number 16, I think that's a good place to take that risk. You know, I, I don't think that it was a, a reach. Maybe near the, the mm-hmm. front end of his range, but I, I like that. I think 
Rondale Moore with that second pick. I think that that's a really good value. Um, you know, I think there's a chance that he's somebody who could have gone at that 16th pick. Um, and so I, I think they played the board well early on. And that's where, you know, that's the important parts of the draft. From there, you know, not a whole bunch of my guys. Mm-hmm. I, I, the Demu KJ guy from Duke is fun. Solid. You yeah. know? So, I, I, I like James it. Wiggins a little bit. That Cincinnati secondary yeah. was nasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Wiggins I like a lot. Um, injuries, of course, but beyond that could be a really nice pick. But it is... Collins was one of those guys where fit and where you're going to put them are my biggest concerns. And he's in the same spot that didn't know how to use Isaiah Simmons. So I don't know. Where is that? Please don't waste them, Vance. Please don't waste them. And will they be redundant? Because they've insisted on Isaiah Simmons, who I think we've all agreed is a box safety at his best, or maybe that rover, because he's such an athlete in the slot and even a tremendous pass rusher, so close to the line of scrimmage there, could be a real asset. Um, maybe this is them finally, like, you know, like, we'll add that. another linebacker piece that goes downhill so that we can put him into DB. That's, that's like, best-case scenario for me. Yeah, yeah. He, we're not going to have many more interesting conversations on how to utilize a player than we are about both Rondell in this Kingsbury offense and uh, Zayvon Collins in this Vance Joseph defense. That's going to be really, really, really interesting. Um, Rondell feels like a guy that can use space really well. And with a quarterback that improvises, I just, I feel like he's going to be one of those dudes where the rat looks dead and then he's just going to like drift five feet to his left. And all of a sudden he breaks it for like a 35 yard completion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be so fun. Jake can wax poetic about him for a sec. Um, but I would set the over under future starters at two and a half. And that's, that's kind of the crux of this is for me, it's a B. I enjoy the first two picks after that. I'm not sure I saw many of my guys as Hank would put to me. I'm going to, I give it a B plus. And I'm tempted to give it just a little bit more basically for the same reason as Dre, because I like the first two picks don't really love what came after that. But what came after that was a pick in the fourth, two in the sixth, two in the seventh. And to me, like I just wait those first two picks enough more to say B plus, maybe a minus, but I'm going B plus Jake. I'm a pretty good, big fan of it too. I gave it just a B. Um, I can go on and on about Rondale more. The first two picks I thought were nice, but I really like the third pick also, Marco Wilson. I'm pretty sure this is Quincy Wilson's cousin. Um, oh, really? Former, I'm pretty sure uh, another Florida Gator uh, DB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at that guy's testing, and that's definitely who you want to take in the fourth round. Um, just outrageous testing. I mean, all the potential in the world. Uh, obviously needs a lot of coaching. Maybe he needs to grow up a bit you know, not throwing shoes and stuff on the field and losing games that way. But um, this is who you want to take a chance on on day three. Mm-hmm. Wiggins also, I mean, he's got the ACL, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. probably not betting on him getting much, on getting much out of him this year. Um, going back to Rondale, though, I'd love to see – I can't wait to see how he's used because I think there's two pretty decent ho- – not I wouldn't say holes, I guess, but they're not really solidified in the receiving core – outside of Hopkins and, you know, Isabella has been kind of a bust out of the slot. Um, so does Rondale play out of the slot or does he kind of take that Christian Kirk role, right. you know, playing more of those reverses, kind of the deep threat type 
just going to be very interested to see how he fits in exactly. Well, we've always wondered, why aren't they passing out more out of the backfield to a guy like Kenyon Drake who could do that? Well, maybe Rondell is the recipe for that. You know, so it's it's exciting. if And if they go back to being kind of more boring pro style, which is what they've been under Kingsbury, then we need to start asking some questions here. You know? Um, yeah. Has everyone on my radar? radar? Yeah. I'm kind of already asking be. questions. Same as same as yeah. I've been asking questions since Texas Tech fired him and then he was uh, hired by an What an ascension. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he coached injured. Patrick Mahomes at one point in his career. Indeed. Yep. Um, and he's got the, not much out of him, if we're being honest. Well, he got promoted to something pick. USC offensive coordinator for like two days before he was made the Arizona Cardinals head coach, too. Just a tremendous, just falling upwards just that's how it's done guys the american dream, that haircut he's got the haircut from the living room <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah that's the nfc west we'll move on and continue with the nfc here but first a quick word from our partners our presenting sponsors DraftKings sportsbook yeah uh, a lot of cool stuff going on at DraftKings right now because there always is uh to me so i've I, i'm getting some action in on this pga championship I've got all sorts of money on the Avs and Nuggets to win the title. I keep I keep making those bets, um, but it's playoff time. That's that's what we're supposed to be doing right now. Uh, big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over, score some cash. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. It's the Clippers and the Mavs. Uh, all players who place a bet on that basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. Um, that's right, for every 1,500 players who bet the over, on that game, the over under will drop by one point. Um, at this point, I think it's down like to under 60 points. So basically, yep. the bet means for all you non betters, like you are betting for there to be 60 points in this game, an NBA basketball game where there's likely to be like 200 and something points. This will probably hit in the first quarter. Um, it, there, there's like a max $25 bet. That's the only downside, but it's not really a downside because you're still getting a free $25. Um, so download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMBR when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that uh, bet the over in the featured game, the line decreases by one point. Yes, this is your ch- uh, your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting. So tell your friends, tell your family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over, improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code DNBR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends 523.21. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All your friends, tell your family. Gives off serious uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. But... Yes, it really does, doesn't it? I was thinking the same exact. <laughs> tell yes. your friends, tell your family, DraftKings, hammer the over. <laughs> uh, we've had several DMVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family dentist. Those listeners have personally reached out, let us know how great their experience was and thank us for leading them to such a wonderful place. There's honestly nothing more rewarding than hearing that our listeners... Um, appreciate the businesses that we uh we tell them about so please tell us about your experience if you've made the switch uh, if you don't know green mountain dental group is in lakewood they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro and they're extreme colorado sports fans just like 
all of us. Um, Ali Monroy just went out there. She had her wisdom teeth pulled out. Uh, it was kind of a rough recovery, but it would have been so much worse if she didn't have our awesome friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. They checked on her every few days, made sure she was getting the meds she needed. Um, Lindsay, our sales director, had the same thing done a little bit before that. Um, she said it was literally the best experience she's ever had with a dentist. Um, they, they send you like cards and stuff. The doctor personally calls and checks up on you. Um, and the best part is, there's an awesome deal going on right now. If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you will get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Um, it's, it's seriously a great deal. Make sure when you do that, that you tweet at us, um, let us know and uh, tag them too, because uh, they like to see that stuff as well. Again, it's in Lakewood. It's only 15 minutes away from down to downtown Denver. Super convenient, family owned, huge Colorado sports fans. So you can feel good supporting them. Love it. Get your teeth clean and feel good while you do it. Sporting a good company. Nothing better than that. Uh, let's keep it rolling. You know, we're, we're going to try and go a little bit faster through these other divisions. We dragged on a little bit on the West there. But, you know, similar to the AFC, I feel like the, the West was the most in, intriguing draft classes. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Where do you guys want to go now? You want to just move across the country east? Um, let's go yeah. south. Let's go south. Let's go south. There All right. Go. Out. Let's go Hotlanta, highest drafting team there. They get Kyle Pitts. They stick with Matt Ryan, which, okay. I know lots of fans of Richie Grant and Jalen Mayfield. Maybe a bit of reaches for me, but I really like the Ogundeji pick later on. Drew Dahlman's a really nice pick. I mean, Darren Hall, Avery Williams. That's a nice class. Um, they took plus. two of the three Mountain West players drafted, so shout out to Hotlanta, showing a little bit of love to the Mountain West. Well, and... Uh, that's your scout right the west regional scout yeah exactly um, exactly um and pick up frank darby and drew dahlman who a lot of people really like i think that was a really good pick the stanford center there's a, a zone blocking team staying to the zone block so for me it's a b plus one elite prospect and four in my top hundred i don't know maybe future starters set it at three and a half i think that's safe yeah i'd hit the yeah, over on that mm. Yeah. yeah, I'd probably take the over just because they had so many late picks too. Like, like you named a bunch of guys I like. There's a bunch of other names out there too that they could just as well pan out. Um, the, those those early picks though. Kyle Pitts at four, good pick. Richie Grant in the second round, love that. Um, then Jalen Mayfield top of the third, and you mentioned Drew Dahlman. That's just a lot of good picks. That's a B plus to me. Darren Hall at 108 is a steal, man. Like, I, I won't drag on and on about the Mountain West, but he was severely underrated. A dude that played multiple years in that secondary. Really, really uh, hard. I mean, San Diego State, they run some complicated concepts. They run a lot of weird, like, three safety types, type stuff, a lot of dime. But I don't know, man. Avery Williams as well, like a game changer as a punt returner. I talked about this on our first podcast. He's, like, my favorite special teams player in this draft. A dude that, like... I'll just go ahead and like put it out. I will be shocked if Avery Williams does not score a touchdown on special teams this year, whether that's via block, return, something. He's that explosive. I'll give it a B plus. And Jake, I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, you're good. I love that. Uh, I just love this class. It's probably one of my favorite classes, I think, overall. Um, just top to bottom. Obviously, you go with probably the best can't-miss prospect in this class and Kyle Pitts. Uh, you get a Swiss Army knife and Richie Grant that's going to really help out a secondary that surely needs some help. Uh, love the offensive lineman picks of Mayfield and Dahlman. Um, yeah. It just looks they've really built up this offensive line over the past few years. 
And, you know, with Matt Ryan aging, getting into the latter parts of his career, I think that's just beautiful team building. Uh, I love the late shots too. Avery Williams, uh, Ade Ogundeji, Frank Darby. This is an A for me. Frank Darby, I think by it's the an way, A too. I gotta, I gotta go back on that. There's just too many guys I like. I, I don't know if they're necessarily all going to pan out, but I, I think they'll at least be contributors. Um, I don't know. It's just a fun class. Like, like you said, top to bottom, a lot of really intriguing guys. I'm gonna say, like, I'll take the over on three and a half starters. Yeah, I think and so. Frank Darby was the guy at Arizona State before Ayuk, and then Ayuk kind of passed him up, and he kind of got forgotten. I like that as a last pick. Totally, man. And Good we're really high on Atlanta. I think one of the drafts that's everyone's been really high on has been the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to ding them for passing on Patrick Sertain. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, I got to, got to. There was a note. I mean, that's not me being a homer. That's them Sertain's taking He's the number better. one corner and defensive prospect in the class for me, who, who was 11th on my board over... JC Horn, who loved the upside but was 27th on my board. Obviously, higher, lower on Horn than most. Outside of that, though, six top 100 guys, which is absurd. Nine with a draftable grade. It is a nuts class. Great work, top to bottom here. Um, and they were able to maneuver, move down the draft board. So, really, what they gave up for Sam Darnold. They essentially recouped everything and were still able to come back with a great class. This is draft 101, essentially. It's move down, play the board, take the guys you got, and really, really a nice group and an exciting offensive group after they went all defense last year, right? So well put. Dude, Deontay Brown at 193 is a stud. I know there's Crazy. some like questions about because he's so big and it's like, you know, is he what kind of longevity is he gonna have? Is he gonna be quick enough? Dude. Go back and watch him. Like he was never once a liability on that offense. And they got him almost with the 200th pick. Terrace Marshall in the second round feels like really great value at 59. Like I wasn't as high on Marshall as a lot of people were. I, I think he was the third best receiver at LSU. But even so, like with what he brings to the table with the deep ball, you give Darnold more options and what's already loaded with speed. I like Brady Christensen at 70, Chubba Hubbard at 126. Just a lot of guys that I was a big fan of. Yeah, absolutely yeah. love the class, top to bottom. Davion Nixon at 158 overall. Right? It's tremendous value. Crazy. Um, Keith Taylor, too, again in the fifth round at 166. Mm -hmm. And then love seeing Tommy Tremble go high at 83 overall. Very interested to see how they use him yes. um, and just how versatile he can be early on. Um, yeah, I love the class. I'm not a big, like, like we said, I mean, J.C. Horn over Pat Sertain is... It's a, I don't Bold, know. It's a, yeah. Bold. And then Terrace Marshall, I wasn't the biggest fan of, um, but you know, he's coming in maybe playing like the big slot number three role. It's mm -hmm. definitely a place that he could succeed in early on. Um, very fun class. So when you can pick a long snapper in the sixth round, because you've already hit everything else, like you just nailed it. How do we yeah. think Hubbard McCaffrey works together as a tandem? Is that a fit that it. you guys like? I love it. I, I mean, yes, I really, really, really like it. And I mean, the easy way to justify it is say, well, how many times is Christian McCaffrey going to play every game in the season? And what are you going to do those other games? Are you just going to say, well, we don't want to invest in somebody who's behind Christian McCaffrey, so we'll just lose those? No, of course not. Mike Davis was so important for them last year. Chuba should be even better. Yep. And they got him so late. Like he wasn't my favorite running back, but when you get him that deep, 
And that's kind of the story of this entire draft. You know, Terrace Marshall, I think, probably should have gone sooner. Davion Nixon, you guys have named all of them. Shai Smith hasn't been named. But he has, like, he catches everything. I, I really, really like this class. Yeah, I think it allows you to transition McCaffrey a little more into the slot. And it's just one more weapon, one more option. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they've done. They've given one of the most exciting young you know, offensive minds in the game, just more options on top of a young quarterback to work with in Sam Darnold and the way you maneuvered the board, you essentially are at a, you know, a a net loss of zero with what you traded there. So pretty impressive. Um, even though, yeah, again, do I, are the first three picks who I would have gone with horn Marshall Christensen, maybe Marshall. Yeah. For how it fell, but nah, probably not, but still phenomenal, phenomenal haul all in all. Um, Over under four and a half, three and a half. That's accurate. But I'd put it at four and a half. I'd take the over. I've got six. Chuba probably doesn't qualify, but man, you put Deontay in there. You maybe Keith Taylor's a starter at some point because we all know how much depth can lack at corner. Yeah, I I might set this at five and a half and might be tempted by the over. That might be the highest of anybody we've had so far. It's a great. Class, great class. Big shout out to Scott Fitterer, a guy that was with the Seahawks for a long, long time and finally became, finally got a shot at GM with the Panthers and just knocked it out of the park year one. Well said. Um, We've been so positive. Let's go negative. New Orleans Saints, what were they doing? Um, Jake, start us off on this one. Yeah, this one was one of the more, I guess, interesting uh, would be the word I would use. Uh, Just off the top, Peyton Turner. Um, I've heard a lot of people trying to like rationalize or explain that pick by saying, you know, he kind of fits that uh, Marcus Davenport role that they kind of took a couple of years ago, which fine. Um, but at honestly, I think this exactly that's the thing. But I think this class could have been a lot worse because remember we were hearing about them trading up, and I think they wanted one of those top corners. And you look at what they got already. I mean, it's not much, but. This is why I didn't understand them trying to trade up because you could get Paulson Adebo in the third round, 76 overall, and he could potentially be one of the biggest steals of the entire draft. I mean, you might have just gotten a solid number two corner third round right there. Um, overall, I say C minus. Um, I don't know. Didn't Warner get taken over Baron Browning too? Just yep. just some odd picks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hank? Hank? Yeah, I, I I think I like it a little bit better than you guys. Um, yeah, I don't like the Peyton Turner pick, um, but at the same time, there was a lot of hype building, and it seems like in NFL circles, because those reports are coming out, because he's getting into those mock drafts, it's like, okay, there's something there, even if I don't see it. Um, still don't like it. I do like Paul Sudebo. I do think that halfway through the third round, that's a, a very good value. I kind of like that Ian Book pick for them, too. I do too. And there's a place where he can succeed. I think that it is there. I don't think he will succeed, but as soon as they made the pick, I went from being like, oh yeah, Ian Book is going to be trash to oh, let's let's just let's just watch this. Um I'll give it I'll give it the C. The thing about Book is look, I I think all of us will recognize he has plenty of flaws. But you got him what in the fifth round like at 133 fourth fourth round end of the fourth versus like you know i i hate bringing it up but you know they invested like a top 60 pick in garrett grayson coming out of colorado state so it's just 
a lot less risk with, with where you're taking him. If he pans out, mm-hmm. sweet. If he doesn't, whatever. Yeah, I think that's a team that should be taking a shot like that if they get the opportunity. I don't think you look at Jameis Winston and uh, Taysom Hill and say, we are, we are good to go. Did like, Jameis chance, sign? But... Yeah, he did, right? Jameis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think he's okay. just on like a one-year deal though, right? It's not long-term. Kind of a I would guess deal, yeah. what he would have wanted, yeah. In the end, it's a five five draftable guys for me, but only three in the top hundred, none in the top fifty. Turner's a reach. Um, mm-hmm. It's a D. It's a D. That's where I'm at too. A Debo's great. It's not an F because of Debo, but I don't know. He, just... he kind of saves the class, in my opinion, though. I mean, yes. really, yes. if you don't get Paulson and Debo, I don't know who else you would throw in in this seventy six overall slot. But it I looks mean, a lot I worse like with any other name. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's it's ugly. Um, and yeah, like what do you set futures like barely, nearly out of necessity, you'd set it at three, and that's probably on the money. But I don't think you'd go over or under. It's just like yeah, I mean they're gonna have to start Warner. You'll <laughs> yeah. start Adebo in like <laughs> sub at least, and Turner. You're definitely gonna start because of the capital you spent on him and like. He is a, a decent three-down starter. At least he's a three-down player. He's not like a niche guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just can he be dominant? Um, Tampa's next, and I think we'll have mixed feelings on Tampa as well. I mean, I, I certainly do. While Atlanta and Carolina were two of the best, I think Tampa and New Orleans are two of the worst. Another D for me, just one top 40 guy in Joe Tryon, who they got only – he's the only top 100 guy they come away with. So, yeah, I was the highest on Trask than anyone, but I don't know if they they could afford to draft him there, though I love him in that system. And everyone else is like, eh, meh. They kind of had to take a QB, though, didn't they? Just given Brady's age and the uncertainty. and I I mean, that team's not winning much if Brady isn't playing anyways, right? I mean, maybe the defense carries a bit. I'm thinking more like long-term in terms of you have a guy on a rookie contract if – you know, two, three years from now, at least you have somebody cheap, you know, you could always bring in another veteran, but True. they maybe should just follow the Bruce Arians model and just like wait out veterans at all times. Like maybe, maybe. that's how they're set up, you know, like, all right, Worked let's for Denver wait. for a while until it didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Overall though, this class, I mean, even try on, I wasn't a huge fan of um, just looking top to bottom. It's, I mean, it's okay. Uh, just because this team is so stacked, it's not going to hurt them very much. I mean, I think the only guy that you're really counting on to get, I guess, instant contribution from was Jalen Darden, but they already kind of have a stacked receiving core anyway. Um, but, you know, someone that I wasn't a big fan of, but he can definitely take the top off the defense and at least, you know, make them play more honest, um, make opposing defenses play more honest. But, I mean, what is Tryon going to do year one? I mean, do we really see him as a three-down player uh, at this point? I mean, maybe just a pass rush third-down guy at this point. I don't – it's just not a lot of value in this class for me. I gave it a C-. minus. That's fair. Hank? I'll give it a C. You guys pretty much touch on everything. I mean, Joe Tryon at 32, sure. That, that's a, that works. Um, from there on, though, just not much that I get excited about. Um, Darden gets me excited. It was it was a bit early for him though. Um, Trask, eh, 
sure, whatever, see what happens, take a shot. I'll just give it i uh, I'll give it a C. Hmm. Hmm. Dre, I'll give it a D. Like I like Tryon. I don't see how he gets on the field this year. And because of that, even as a contender, like I feel like you want to add somebody that can at least contribute, but we'll just what position, have to see. What position would you have gone to for them? I would have considered defensive tackle. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, though. I mean, this roster is just so good top to bottom. It is. I don't know if you're really going to add an instant starter. I mean, I don't. I need to see who is available around there. But I, I think edge was the right position. It's just that I don't know if Tryon was the right prospect. When did yeah. that Luzaruke go? Um, mm-hmm. Like a third yeah. rounder for Dallas, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked him in the yeah. second round more than I liked oh, Tryon. Detroit. In the first, but could have been Barrymore. You could have made a case. I mean, Ojulari was still around as far as edge rushers go, you know. So I, I didn't mind Tryon, and basically the the two gaps on their roster are, you know, JPP and Brady are kind of on the older side. So you're trying to get replacements long term. Maybe maybe tight end too yeah. could be tempting. Not that there was anybody there you'd want for sure. I have no, to think Howard can take over when Gronk's done. Yeah. Totally. Um, let's go to the north. Let's go north. Yeah, and uh, we touched on it with the Onwuzuriki pick. Um, I mean, if if Henry doesn't start this class, I don't know what class he starts because this was like the the like time to flex Pac-12 man Detroit Lions <laughs> class. Uh, this was a good one, Henry. A little meat and potatoes, but it was a good one. It was a good. One. Yeah, meat and potatoes, but at the same time, Penny Sewell at seven, I think he is better than the seventh best player in this draft. And I I look at that as a great value at number seven. On Muzurike, you can call it a wash. I think maybe a bit of a plus value. I think he could have snuck into the first round. Um, And then Amonra St. Brown, you know, I wasn't the highest on him throughout this draft process, Mm -hmm. but Working with Jared Goff, like he just feels like that kind of guy. Like he's he's gonna be in the slot. He's gonna get open underneath. It's all spread. It's not gonna be, yeah, like Robert Woods two point essentially. That's that's fair. That's fair. Um, and so then, of course, Jamar Jefferson, the best running back in the Pac twelve for the last three seasons, yeah, yeah. going one of the last picks in the entire draft. That's that's a good value, and I think good. you you look at him and DeAndre Swift, and you say, okay, I, I we start we're starting to like what we have here. Um, to me, dude, that that Penny Sewell pick alone makes me want to just give him an A, and I can find enough that I like Melifonwu going at the end of the third. That's a that's a good value. I, I'm going to give him. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give him an A. Penny Sewell's that good at number seven. He's you just found a franchise left tackle. That's a top three pick. That's worth two more first trade up, you know? I think I'd set the over-under future starters at five and a half. And frankly, I dare you to take the under. It's a really good class. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Go ahead, Jake. Um, um I mean the Penny Soul, like what Hank said, that cool. value at seventh overall is tremendous. Um, and I don't want to be too reactionary, but this just feels a little different, right? I mean Yes. I know that Detroit's in a in a rebuild. They got a new GM, new head coach, but this class I think is a very good sign for the future of this team. Um, you went meat and potatoes trying to really build the team up in those trenches. 
love the Ifedu Malafonwu pick too. Um, St. Brown will be interested to see how much he can really eat early on, but I think that's a great fit with him and Goff. And then Jamar Jefferson, even if he's just a kick returner, he's so explosive and should be able to make at least somewhat of an impact as a rookie. I'm very excited for this draft class for Detroit. I gave it an A minus. I think it's very good. Yeah, I mean, I gave it an A plus, man. I yeah, I think they just value all over the place. I like. There's not really a pick in here that I dislike. Like, I think Ife two Melifonwu at 101, like stud. I I just think great value there. And again, like you know, we we can beat it to death, but there are very few players in this draft that I would have taken over Penesul, and they got him at seven. Like that's a, that's a franchise changing decision, like type pick. If you have just a lockdown tackle for the next 10 to 15 years, I mean, that completely changes the, the future of your look. Imagine if the Broncos had Penny Sewell over the last half decade, like how different are things? Maybe not, you know, everything because they had a lot of flaws, but it wouldn't have been such a, such a shit show. I'm giving an A plus and, and I agree with Trey. It's it's up there with Atlanta in terms of five and a half or over under. Yeah, it's a full A for me. All seven guys have draftable grades for me, five in the top hundred, as I mentioned. Love though the use of draft value. You know, good offensive tackle class. We've said that for a while, but how many true offensive tackles did you have in this class? You get the one set and forget dude. Super weak defensive tackle class, you get two of the top five guys and two very complimentary guys. And then because you took care of the meat and potatoes first, you're still able to get tremendous value in the late third and Melon Fonwu with, we saw cornerbacks fly off the board in the first two rounds. I don't know how a guy with that size, those measurables in this modern NFL is still around at that pick, but the lines don't have questions. They just take care of business. It's a deep wide receiver class. You can wait till the early fourth to get your wide receiver. That's exactly what they do. And Barnes and Jefferson will find ways to contribute on their rookie contracts to this team. That's huge, man. That is huge. Um, so yeah, I want Detroit to be good. Like it's time. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Yeah, they deserve It'd be it. lots of fun. Um, let's go double positive again because I thought the Bears really did a nice job. Um, though in these final two divisions, there's a conversation to be had with how did the bears pay more to move up to 11 than, um, you know, than the Eagles ended up paying to move up to 10 and obviously Eagles sacrifice a higher first round pick. So that plays into that, but it did seem like a, a, a significant amount for a slightly lower pick just because they were going after the quarterback. But regardless, I thought Chicago did a really good job. It's the best one, two combo in the draft. The rest maybe lacked a little, but it's two solid first round grades Four in my top one thirty, It's an a for me as well, though. It's not deep. Like some of these other stellar classes we've talked about. Uh, Justin, start us off. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's an a, Fields and Jenkins alone, like you, if those two pan out, this draft was a success, no matter what else happens. Anything other than that is just kind of a cherry on top. You know, Khalil Herbert, he intrigues me a little bit, especially at 217. I'm not much of a Daz Newsome guy. I, I wanted to be so bad because I loved that North Carolina offense. I just don't see it. Um, but I'm, I'm curious where Henry's at with Thomas Graham Jr., obviously being the, the resident Pac 12 guy. I don't know much about him. Um, 
but I'll give it an A because I think, you know, you get a top three quarterback at 11, like that alone is a stud. I love Jenkins. I think a lot of teams reached on tackles that were worse than him. Solid draft. The Bears. The Bears. Uh, I, I like the Thomas Graham pick. Um, most of these Oregon DBs are just, they're, they're, they're like Vic Fangio type DBs. They're very like versatile. Are they, are they all slot guys? I think is a very real question that you could ask. Um, but, but they just have that kind of player everywhere. Maybe not like the biggest, hardest hitting type of downhill hybrid types, but you know, the, the slot corner types. And I think that when you have somebody like that and you're on the, on the board at the end of the sixth round and you're the bears where there's going to be holes all over that secondary and you can almost let him figure out where he does fit best. I, I, I like that sort of strategy. Um, I think that this is a good place for him to land just because he will get the opportunity to kind of figure out where he does fit in, which I do think is probably just in the slot. Um, you guys said the, the important stuff, though. I mean, Justin Fields at 11, that's a good value. Maybe they had to give up too much to get there, um, but they needed a quarterback and they went and got a quarterback. Tevin Jenkins, yeah, that was another just good value at an important position. And like Justin said, does anything else really matter? And my answer would be no. I oh, like the club. A, a grade. I'll say. I'll say B plus. I'm around there. I get. I say a B. Um, I think it's a good class. I like the late guys. Even uh, Kyrissis Tonga, the big defensive mm-hmm. tackle out of BYU. Um, it'll be intriguing to see if he's able to make an impact early. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity though, to talk about Justin Fields a bit and just kind of get it off my chest and just done with for the rest of draft season. Let's do it. Um, because I think that he's going to play a lot earlier than most people are thinking. Like I'm thinking week one, even I would be shocked to Agreed. see Andy Dalton really play significant time as a starting quarterback. And, you know, a lot of controversy about who the Broncos should have took at nine. I think we're going to find out real early though, if Justin Fields can play and we're going to find out real early if the Broncos you know, they might've gotten a great player in Sertan, but we're going to find out if they really messed up, not taking Justin Fields at that spot, because I think he's, it's going to be interesting to see just how Matt Nagy really plays him and coaches him, how much he's really running around um, and how much he's really kind of forcing fields to go through those reads and, you know, try and be the more cerebral quarterback. Um, but the talent around him, I think is there especially in the offensive line out wide. It's okay, but you get a guy like Allen Robinson that can really just bail him out from time to time. It's all there for Justin Fields to have a very successful year as a rookie. I'll admit I'm stealing this point, but I'm glad you brought up the, the week one thing. I, I think it was a guest that Bill Simmons had on his podcast. They were just kind of talking about this Justin Fields situation. And one thing to keep an eye on, I think they play um, like Baltimore or something. They play somebody with a really great pass defense week one. So it could be an instance where, you know, you kind of play Andy Dalton there, kind of throw him to the fire, and then you transition fields in for the next three weeks where it was like past defenses all ranked 20 or below. But the problem with that is I believe they play the Bengals week two. So like, let's say Andy Dalton comes out and wins week one, he's feeling himself, then it's like you can't take him out of the revenge game. So it'll just be kind of curious to see how they manage that whole situation. Yeah, I'm uh, I. So I, I really like the pick. I think it was the right pick. I'm a little bit lower on his chances of succeeding in this exact situation. Um, 
you know, like you said, they have Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney looked really good last year, but compared to the rest of like the wide receiver twos in the league, is he like helping? And then from there, it's like, okay, Anthony Miller, Damian Bird, whatever. The offensive line, yes, you have Tevin Jenkins. He's also a rookie tackle on one side with Elijah Wilkinson on the other side. I I, I just think that this offense, I, it doesn't give him the best opportunity. And maybe more than any of that, I, I just don't know that I believe in Matt Nagy. And I say all of that just to say that even if he doesn't pan out with Chicago, doesn't mean that he wouldn't have panned out with the Broncos. And, you know, what does that mean when we get there? Probably nothing. But I... I, I don't love where he is at, just just for his sake. Historically speaking, not a great spot for quarterbacks to land. Um, also true. Let's talk about Green Bay, though, because obviously Broncos fans, so much attention with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. How is that going to play out? I mean, we talked about it on the first post-draft reaction pod. Just the tone of that whole night was was so weird, going from thinking, <laughs> like, we're absolutely landing him tonight or we're absolutely landing him, like, this month to – well, hopefully it plans out. Um, they did get Amari Rodgers, so they drafted a wide receiver I like for once, but went defense in the first round yet again. Again, a guy I like a lot, Eric Stokes, tested through the roof. Yeah, I think he has great potential. Um, some of their late picks I'm not quite as high on. I'd give it like a solid B-. minus. Yeah, I like the Stokes pick, and honestly, if you flipped Myers-Rodgers, the top three picks are really nice. Um you know, that's what you need to do with three top hundred picks. You need to get three top hundred guys. They took care of business. Good job. Pat on the back. Nothing more. C plus for me. Really, really underwhelming on day three. I get Royce Newman, um, Cole Van Leenen. Those are some solid starters on the O-line that have been there at strong programs for a minute. Kylan Hill's intriguing, but uh, a little underwhelming. I thought there was some better value across the board to kind of make this more of a slam dunk draft, but it's good. Take care of business. C plus. Kind of another like contender depth draft, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, totally. you're really just kind of plugging some holes here. You get your slot in Amari Rogers. You get, um, I don't know if he'll play center just because Elton Jane, Elton Jenkins is so good at that position, but he can kind of play all over. Um, so Josh Myers, he'll fit somewhere in there in the interior. And then Eric Stokes, I mean, we've already we've mentioned it multiple times. Kevin King basically cost him a chance at the Super Bowl um, earlier this year. So getting Eric Stokes, you know, a guy that could actually cover deep and run deep, you know, yeah. picks up that need that they Huge. were really missing. Um, overall, it's a solid class. I think I say B minus. Um, I'd probably say... I don't know, three and a half starters, which I think is a decent number overall. Yeah. So I don't want to ding him too much. Um, and then Kylan Hill just will be yep. very interested to see how much of a passing game impact he has. Yeah, that that whole running back situation there is really interesting. You know, they, mm-hmm. they pay Aaron Jones. And then from there, you have A.J. Dillon from last year, who's a super interesting talent. And then Kylan Hill, you know, that, that Kylan Hill, A.J. Dillon tandem, if things panned out, could be nice. On top of that, Aaron Jones, do you, do you play him in the slot potentially just a little bit? Because he's a good receiver. I don't know. I, I hope that they figure out how to use all these guys in a fun way. Um, that was a lot to say about their last pick of the draft, though. Um, Eric Stokes is good. Josh Myers, sure. Amari Rogers, I really like. Third round, yeah, sure. It, another just like C for me. Uh, they did what they should do, you know? They, they 
they went and drafted players, and I don't think they really stole any headlines in either way. Well said. Skull. Let's talk about the Vikings, baby. Um, the purple people eaters. Christian Derrissaw, I love that pick at 23. You know, the Vikings were reportedly, you know, pretty interested in going up to get Justin Fields. They end up getting swiped by Chicago. They take Kellen Mond at 66. Shazrat, you know, obviously a kind of a con controversial talent, never really put it together, but a freak athlete. I like Wyatt Davis. I don't know. It feels like a, a nice depth class. I don't know if this was the sexiest draft class in the world, but I'll give it a solid like B, B plus. Yeah, kind of a weird class, right? Um, lot There's some players I liked at the top. I mean, you talk about Darisol. I liked Mond um, as that like best out, outside of the top five. Uh, that we had Chester Rott, I wasn't huge on, but then guys like Patrick Jones, Wyatt Davis, Cameron Bynum, Janarius Robinson, um, some interesting picks. I, I'm just kind of done with this team overall, though. I don't know if it's just Kirk Cousins, but I'm just they're not. I'm just fun. over the whole Vikings thing. I mean, they have some fun players, but I just don't see them as a team that threatens more than like a. 500 you know nine and eight eight and nine maybe you sneak into 10 games and get a wild card but i mean i don't know b minus c plus i'm not wild about this well the whole division got better too yeah Yeah. for sure like we we raved about detroit we raved about chicago those were the bottom feeders and if they got way better i mean that's the vikings weren't exactly dominating them in the first place I think what Jake's touching on is this is a team with a really good defensive head coach, but in the last two years, they've absolutely had nothing but cap casualties, cut that defensive mm-hmm. roster left and right. They lost a former first round pick from just a couple of years ago in Mike Hughes after the draft. Um, and that's what's not going to be exciting. It's a classic Minnesota draft where they get a ton of picks. And I like most of them. I mean, I've got uh, nine draftable players here, three in the top hundred. I like what you did moving down and still getting there. I saw Mond isn't my favorite pick. Surat isn't my favorite pick, but I think there's value, plenty of value after that. It's a B draft, um, but it's true. This team maybe needed a little more oomph, a little more. Like if you're a Vikings sexy. fan, do you go into this season thinking this is our year, baby? We we added those pieces, and I think that answer is very clearly no. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I, I think I think they just realized it was time to kind of just rebuild. You know, the, the whole back end of the roster needs depth. You mentioned I mean, that, that defense falling apart. It kind of just aged out. It's time to turn the page. Um, you, you still got a couple pieces for sure. Um, but spending a draft just trying to fill out that back half of your roster so you're not you know stuck with the Broncos situation where they're playing Hairston and whoever else on the field in, in games that, that I want the Broncos to go win. like. You just need to have 53 NFL football players. And I think that they realized it's time to just keep getting that going. If something pops, that's great. And then maybe once you get through this Kirk Cousins thing, you reevaluate and say, okay, where can we get some impact guys? Um, it was no fun though. And for that reason, Darisaw is good at 23. We'll, we'll, we'll give him the C plus. Great pick. Great pick. Yes. Yes. I felt like a Real safe quick. class for a first year GM. I will add like, a guy who's not trying to do anything too crazy, just trying to add talent, put himself in position. We'll see where we're at next year. I mean, as much as we dogged on the Vikings, when you pay a quarterback that much, you kind of have to expect to contend. Whether they actually will or not, we mm-hmm. we shall see. I don't think so. But And it is still I, Spielman there. We should remind 
Okay, correct. Yeah. Um, go Vikings. Um, I don't know. My grandma's a Vikings fan. I'd love to see them be good for her. That's about all I have good to say about Minnesota. I like their uniforms too. Purple, some of the coolest helmets. Uh, let's move on to the um, NFC East. Jake had a point. Oh, yeah. my bad, Jake. I'm, I'm it's all good. I, um, it's not that big of a point. I just wanted to say, I mean, I watched quite a bit of Iowa State. I watched a lot of, of uh, Brees Hall last mm. year, and he was a lot of fun to watch. Do you guys remember seeing Kenny Nguanu, the fourth-round pick out of Iowa State, carry the ball at all? No, um, I think didn't he didn't even know who he was. breakout game, right? Uh, yeah, he his stats from last year were not very impressive. And like you yeah. said, it was like one game where I don't know if Brees Hall got hurt or just wasn't playing much, but... Yeah, just a weird pick. Very 143 weird. carries, seven catches in his college career. Yeah. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, I think the Vikings kind of win the Wallowing in Mediocrity Award. and yeah. uh, <laughs> The Colorado were, Rockies uh, Award. Yeah. It, purple, uh, purple, Rockies do not deserve this. Uh, <laughs> the, if you don't want your, your junk wallowing in mediocrity, though, especially during the summer, Henry, I, I think there's one clear solution. For yes, all right there, here. No. There absolutely is. Um, and let me just say, my junk is not wallowing in mediocrity this summer. Let's go. Let's go. It is in potentially the best shape of its life. Awesome. Thanks to the lawnmower nice 4.0 from Manscaped. Um, it's it's their new trimmer. It is it's surprisingly just like much better than the last one. Like, like I honestly like we get the box, and it's like, okay, it's gonna be basically the same thing. It's it's a trimmer. But then you actually check it out and it is, it's a game changer. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of things like it just feels smoother. Like it's doing a better job. But on top of that, they did add like some new functions, including things like the light is more powerful. Um, they, they give you the like guards so that you can choose the length. You know, for me, I had, a, I had a barber back when I was in college, a really, really good barber who said that whenever I get my hair cut, I have to tell whoever's cutting my hair to just do a two across the eyebrows. Now, you, it takes a whole lot of cleaning to be comfortable doing this, but if you're willing to put the work in, you can just get your eyebrows or whatever else you want at whatever length you want it. It's just so much more flexibility. It, it's seriously a game changer. Um, wireless charging, all that kind of stuff. It makes the battery last longer. Um, just a great product. On top of that, they have all sorts of other stuff um, the, the crop reviver, uh, the, the crop preserver, those are just must haves in the summer. Um, otherwise you get all sweaty down there. It, it's crazy that I don't even have to worry about that at this point in my life compared to how we were a couple of years ago. Um, seriously, just awesome stuff. Um, I'm not going to have any ball jokes for you guys today. I'm sorry about that. But what I do have for you is an awesome deal. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code DMVR at manscaped.com. It's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code DMVR. Unlock your confidence. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Love it. Nice. Shout out Manscaped. Conversations to be had here on the NFC East, um, an up and down division. And then we've got a great question from the count to close us all out on Patrick. Certain, let's start with who traded up in got the right to be the first team drafting in the division rare inner division trade Eagles move up to 10. I figured they were going Justin Fields. They end up taking Devonte Smith back to back years. They take a first rounder, um, first round wide receiver. 
And then after that, a pretty controversial class, if you ask me, ending up with uh, seven draftable guys, but only two in my top 100, and that's after a trade-up. It's a C for me, and maybe I'm being generous. There are really some picks here and there that, oof. You still heated about the Devontae Smith pick? I mean, I love Devontae Smith. He's my fifth-ranked prospect. He was ranked ahead of Justin Fields. I just don't know how you can justify moving up to do that. Um, I'm not even sure they would have had to. In a class that deep, I don't know why you do it. I just don't get it. Yeah, I personally like it. I do like it. Um, to me, there is separation between the, the top three and the rest sure. of the class. You know, I, I sure. like the idea of like in the second round, take a Rondale Moore, take a Terrace Marshall, take a Diami Brown. Um, and with those guys, there's what, a 50, 75% hit rate? With Devontae Smith, actually, you know, maybe it is a bit lower just because he is a little bit different in terms of the size. You can have your doubts there. I still think that he's just he's just a game changer and somebody you trust to put out there. Um, and, and to me, for a team that really, really needs more receivers, you've, you've got to hit. And I think that if you don't take one here in this top tier, you're probably going to have to take two, three later on. And then you're still kind of hoping because you need somebody who can be on the field playing day one. Again, it's maybe not a time when the Eagles need to be thinking about how they can compete this year, but just to play devil's advocate, I, I do like that pick. Um, the alternate really universe is trading down and doing what the Giants did, and we'll get to that in... You we know. sure will. Because you'd Jake. much rather Smith over Tony, no doubt about that, but then how does the rest of the thing line up? Um, risky picks, and I guess I, I probably did mention that Milton Williams was one of my least favorite prospects in the entire draft, so taking him in the top 100, I, I really thought was... Uh, Whew, a monumental reach. Uh, Jake, how do you see this one? I hear you, Andre. I just, I, I think I'm more with Hank on this one. You know, we can criticize the Devontae Smith pick. You know, yeah, the, the wide receiver class was deep. You probably could have got someone that could contribute further back. But I think once we're eight games, 10 games in the season, and we watch Devontae Smith play football again, we go, okay, yeah, that made total sense back in April. Yeah, yeah. Um, Overall, I, mean, I think he'll be a star. He's yes, he's a stud. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not ever gonna doubt or pick against Devontae Smith. Um, but I think this is actually a fairly solid class overall. I like Dickerson in the second as a guy that could potentially place Jason, replace Jason Kelsey um, here in the near future, or maybe even Brandon Brooks at the guard spot. Um, either way, there's a path for Dickerson to be starting earlier than maybe some would think um i actually really like the kenneth gainwell pick i'm not a big yes. Miles sanders guy yes um and i think that his ability to contribute just as a wide receiver will get him on the field early in year one but i think he really has potential to take over this backfield um overall i gave it a b i like uh tui Pelotu late i like taron mm-hmm. jackson late mm-hmm. yep. um i mean i don't know Three, two and a half-ish. I give it a B. It's a solid class. I think it's a B minus. Gainwell and and Taron Jackson, I think, are two of the more intriguing players in the entire draft in terms of what their ceiling is versus what their floor is. It's tough to say. I think their ceilings are through the roof. You know, if if they don't pan out, that it won't look great. But they're fun picks. I obviously love Devontae. I think Landon Dickerson's a great pick in the second round, but... You know, like Dre said, then there's just some weird ones. Like 
Milton Williams at 73 doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't like McPherson very much. Even going down like the end, I, Jacoby Stevens, I'm not crazy about. But mm. ultimately, I think it was fine. I'll give it a B minus. I think they got guys Milton, that are going to be able to contribute just a lot of risk. That Milton Williams pick, did you guys see? That was the pick where Howie Roseman's walking through fist bumping everyone in the, yes. in the draft room. And there was like a senior <laughs> director of scouting just arms folded with a scowl on his face. He was not happy they made that Milton Williams pick. Who They were pissed that someone got taken ahead of him. Oh, is that what it was? That's, that's since been reported. Um, or that's yeah. what they're spinning it as. But yeah, exactly. right. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, still to come out and have to be like, oh, yeah, that happened because so-and-so was upset that we couldn't draft uh, Allie McNeil or whoever it was, you know. Um, Yeah, isn't a great look. But, you know, you're taking a big risk on Smith's size. You're taking a big risk on Dickerson's health, and you're taking a big risk on Williams' size once again. So those top three picks, it's a YOLO pick, and – Two, three of the high upside guys pan out. You're going to have a really good draft. If they don't pan out, it's going to be a tough one. Um, let's go to the Giants, who kind of are the alternate universe, what the Eagles could have done. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite classes because you get Tony Ojulari, two first-round grades. I was always pretty high on Allen Robinson. And Ellerson Smith was mm-hmm. one of my guys. So I don't really care what they did with those two six-rounders. Those top four are slam dunks for me. Um, Yeah, it's two first-round grades, four top 100-graded players. It's an A, a full A for me. And, man, I wish their offensive coordinator was anyone but Jason. I know. (laughs) Because, dude, how much versatility do you have with Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley? You've got Shepard in the slot. You added Uh what? Who's the guy from Detroit that came on the outside? Uh, Galladay. Oh, was it Galladay? Yeah, it was. And now you've got Tony in that, like, this backfield with Barkley is really exciting. Um, you've got all the tools to do a lot of jet sweeps and RPOs and kind of give Daniel Jones more, you know, misdirection pre-snap to make things easier to read post-snap. Um, but yeah, I just wish it wasn't Jason Garrett calling the shots. <laughs> Everything yeah. else seems great to me, though. This was like a total Dre draft, though. Yes. Tony Odilari, <laughs> yeah. Robertson, yeah. Ellerson Smith. Like, like it could those. Those would have been your exact picks at those picks. Um, <laughs> totally. totally. I agree, though. Like, there, there's, those are really good decisions that they made. I think that's an A. That's an A. Uh, and I'll add on. Gary Brightwell in the sixth round. So he was somebody I was really excited for coming into the season, filling in for J.J. Uh, Taylor, who went to the Patriots at Arizona. Didn't do all that much, but before that was just, like, such a reliable number two that was, you know, he. Put, I think he put up like five and a half, six yards of carry before this season. A decent little receiver. I think that in, in a world where maybe Saquon misses a couple games, I, I like the upside there. Again, spending too much time talking about six-round pick probably. And I mean, shout out to Trader Dave. Finally, Dave Gettleman, first right. time in his career as a GM. Mm-hmm. And great point, you know, where's their head coach come from? The Belichick school, right? So they've been talking about this stuff for a year. Like, hey, this is how Bill does it. Trade down, gain some value. It works out perfectly. They execute it perfectly. 
a little bonus point for for doing that as well. You know? um, uh, I guess I was a bit lower than you guys initially. I wrote B minus, but I think you kind of convinced me to go probably B B plus here, just because um, I didn't watch Ellerson Smith, but the first three picks I think are home runs mm-hmm. in Tony Ojolari and Robinson. Put some respect on Dave Gettleman's name, man. He's yep. drafted pretty well, I think, over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Found some late round guys. I think he's done well when he's had, you know, uh, higher draft picks in the in the premium spots there. But he's really building, I think, a decent team. Made some nice decisions in free agency. Um, honestly, if it wasn't for Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones, I think a lot more people would be higher on this team. Yep. Who so who was still on the board when they drafted Daniel Jones? You know, Haskins and Drew Locke as far okay. as quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah, so you see it's it's not easy. It's not like a Mahomes situation. It's like, oh, just imagine if they'd taken this guy instead. No, yeah. No. I mean, they sh- should have taken Drew instead, but we don't need to go down that road. Well, that's what my board said. Um, yikes. Uh Justin, you wanna put a bow on this? Yeah, you guys, you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. I give it a B. I think the first three picks were solid. I think they got some question marks outside of that, but ultimately a really solid draft. Uh, Tony, one of my favorite picks. I just, I think that offense with, with him and, and what you can do with Saquon, I just, I think you're going to put the defense in some really uncomfortable positions. They really have some weapons on this team, man. I mean, yeah. the top five wide receivers are Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, John Ross. Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony. That's who, pretty crazy. F- first five. Who else can really match up with that in the NFL? Maybe and, a few teams. Like arguably the best receiving tight end and running back combo in the yes. entire league, man. And you've invested a top five pick in the O-line in Andrew Thomas last year, who after a slow start started to come around. You have invested other picks in the O-line like Willie Hernandez and what have you, you know? Like... There is some stuff to be excited about, but yeah, those are your two hangups. Perfectly put. Justin, yep. we finished with you. Start us off on the Cowboys draft, which I think may be a little more controversial than uh, the last two we've touched on. So after the draft, I thought they did pretty good initially. Uh-huh. And then the more I went back and looked at it, I just, I'm not sure about the fit on a lot of these guys. You, you yeah. brought it up multiple times that you don't like Micah Parsons in Dallas. And the more I go back and kind of look into him, I'm not sure I do either. I will say it's a chance, I think, where he's going to get to play a lot. I just, I don't know what role they're going to do him with. They have so much uncertainty at that linebacker position. It seems like it's been a revolving door. They haven't been able to keep anybody healthy. Uh, I like Osa, the UCLA DT. I can't pronounce his last name. I'm not going to try. Oh, Digazua. There we go. I do love Jabril Cox at 115. Like as much as I think Parsons at 12 in Dallas may not be the best situation, I think Jabril Cox is a great pick, great value. I, I, I guess I'll give him a C. Like I don't think they bombed this draft. I just don't think they killed it either. Yeah, there are some nice picks sprinkled through, mm-hmm. but you had five picks in the top three rounds. You had two more early or fourth rounders and a lot of picks on day three. So it's like, eh. It's four top hundred guys for me. You know, Mukwamu is one of my guys. I like Jabril Cox. Fioko, where you got him, is a good pick. You know, like what you did with those top hundred picks is good, aside from Nation Wright, who was a monumental reach for me. I'm skeptical about the fit, but with the haul you got, it is a B draft for me. And at least you traded down to get this haul instead of staying put. So, dude, I know Nation Wright's name just because he's a liability. <laughs> 
Oh, yikes. Uh, that's not great, kids. That's not. Do we ding Dallas for trading back though with Philly at all? I mean, if Devin, if Devonte Smith is like carving him up for the next ten years, you betcha. Yeah, yeah you should, man. I mean, that's gutsy, dude. That is it gutsy. Is. Yeah, and I, uh, I like it. You know, that the Parsons pick at twelve, he wasn't my favorite. I, I don't like that pick you know that the fit plays into that i think that in general where he should have been drafted should have been just a little bit later than that at the same time it's the cowboys going after a, a big athletic speedy guy a linebacker sure i mean it it adds up for them i feel like for that reason they redeem themselves in my eyes because i don't think that that was like a massive failure just yeah. not what i would have done um also dig love that pick in the middle of the third round like that to me he uh, could have been a late first rounder in my eyes uh, Jabril Cox he if they had taken him the 12th pick in the second round I would have liked that pick um Sime Fayoko later on really 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 loved that pick I think that he's one of the more underrated receivers in this class and then Israel Mukuamu the corner from South Carolina get him potentially last pick in the sixth sixth round has the tools has the tools and if you just change the order of a bunch of these picks i could really get behind it and so i'm not going to knock them too hard again it's the micah parsons thing that that holds them back to a a c plus for me is what i'm going to give them um but if if they had found a way you know trade down six more spots pick up another second round pick then all of a sudden we could be talking about b b plus even maybe but obviously that's not what happens so we can't give them that grade I'm very conflicted with this class just because this mm-hmm. team really needs help defensively and you know spending 7 of your 10 picks on defense is in theory it sounds really good um I just don't really like the players I mean my favorite picks for this class are the 6th round Mukuamu pick and the 5th round Semifioko pick yeah um and I think something. that yeah that kind of sums it up uh Nation Wright at 99 overall he was the first guy that made me say, who the F is that when I was watching the draft? I mean, we, we've talked about the draft all year around. I never heard this guy's name. He was taking top 100. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I just not a big fan overall. Um, but it's just so hard to ding a class like this where they really needed help defensively and they hit every single position along the way. Um, I don't know, C plus, man, three and a half maybe starters. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, there's depth. You had a lot of picks, so maybe it works out to where you go over. But I think Nashawn Wright was on last chance you. I'm I'm almost positive. I don't know about that. Huh. I'll have to um, go into that. That guy's already come out in the team. Oh, oh, okay. No, no, I was just no. saying he's already compared himself to Richard Sherman and is already like yeah, been talking yeah, back right. and forth with him. It like it just kind of screams bust already. Yeah, but I mean, he's from Laney College. Was on last chance you loaded up for all these Dan Quinn guys, and uh, okay, cool. That's not who I'd invest a lot of money and resources into. I guess I'm that's what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Um, the Washington football, football team, team Jamin Davis, Samuel Cosme, and eh, do they go over two and a half starters? For me, it's a C, plus, even though I'm a big Davis guy, and I think Cosme is a Really nice upside. It's where was that? Where's that other, that third future starter coming from in a class where you did have four top 100 picks, seven draftable guys for me. So I do like 
you know, they start. don't waste a lot of picks after that outside of the long snapper, but long snappers are people too. Um, but it's a C plus you didn't exceed expectations. It's another like filling in depth roster veteran type moves, you know, give it a C minus. I don't, I like, I like Davis a ton. I like Cosme outside of that. I actually do think uh, John Bates, the Boise State tight end, will end up translating pretty well. I think he'll be a starter outside of him. I don't know. And I think you probably could have got him at like closer to 200 than 124, but it is what it is. If you like your guy, go up and get him. I like Dax Milne. Again, I think you could have got him as an undrafted free agent. Like I, I don't really understand using draft capital there. I would probably take the under on over under two and a half starters, but it's close. There's just I, so many guys. Yeah. Go the ahead. odds of one of them hitting. That's good. true. Definitely a good point. <laughs> um, I mean, I initially graded this as a B minus, um, and I'm trying to stay true to that grade. And I think a lot of that was rooted in the fact that Jamin Davis is going to a Ron Rivera coach defense. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be able to eat behind that yes. front four. Um, so I think that was just the perfect landing spot for him. Deami Brown in the third round was another pick I really liked. I mean, wide receiver is not at all a strength of this team. And I think yeah. that Deami Brown could come in and potentially be someone that may not be good or anything spectacular, but he could be a starter, I think, as a rookie. Um, just given the room other than that though, man, I'm not a big fan. I mean, the Cosme pick I do like, I mean, especially after they lost Trent Williams and haven't had him the past couple of years, you did need someone at left tackle to really solidify that position. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Morgan Moses, they did sign Charles Lano also. Um, so they are creating competition at position, but Really, other than that, I mean, Shaka Tony, I think, thought was a nice pick, seventh round. Um, yeah, a couple decent depth I mean, edges there. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's right there on the verge of a C plus, B minus. Like, you don't hate it. Mm-hmm. It's far from one of your favorite drafts, too, I think. Even though yeah. there are some players to like, and they valued premium position, or, well, linebacker. Um, <laughs> we won't get into that. Let's go to the count, man. Um Fun question on Sertain. He says, Sertain the second is going to be dope. Which specific opposing wide receivers will have the toughest time against him and which rivals might be able to exploit his current weaknesses? There's a second part to the question, but let's hit that up first. Um, I guess great the question. Yeah, it's a great question. I guess the only knock for me on him was can he handle those true speedsters? Like a Tyreek Hill, so I would say That's what Hill, I was bring up. Yeah. Rugs. Those are the guys I have the most questions on, especially because um, if you go and check out the two videos or film breakdown and video I did, tracking the long ball a little more of a problem. So again, that speed combined with having to be challenged on deep balls is what concerns me. I think guys like Keenan Allen against oh. the Pat Sertain aren't going to see the light of day. Period. Just going to take him at the line of scrimmage. You're not going to get around him. Yeah. And even if, you know, you don't like that for whatever reason, whatever happens, Mike Williams is another guy he just shuts down. Yeah. Yeah. No, those bigger outside guys are really going to struggle with him. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd be very interested. I just want to see him on Kelsey. I want to see if he can actually be that matchup eraser role. And I think that's his role as a rookie. 
Um, I don't know if you really want to just throw him at outside or just have him shadow the number one. I think they should use him as a matchup piece, play him in the slot. Um, you know, even in the box, like against Kelsey or these other big tight ends, if you have to, uh, would love to see him go against Darren Waller also. Yes. Um, Sorry, Hank. Go ahead though. I was going to say like a very similar thing is like, you don't necessarily love the matchups with the chiefs because obviously Tyree kill. First of all, nobody's really winning that, but especially not Pat Sertan. From there, though, it's guys like Robinson and Mikkel Hardman. And you're like, ah, maybe he's able to like jam them, get up into them, and they can't beat him. But even if they do, he should be able to fit on Tyree Kill or, or on Travis Kelsey. And you look at uh, the, the Raiders, too. They've got some speed out there. Throw him on Waller. That's the type of speed he can absolutely handle. And, and the Broncos are just built in a way where, you know, you have Darby. You have Callahan. You have Kyle Fuller, who's just so good that he can do whatever. You can piece this together week to week to fit really, really well, assuming that Pat Sertan is what we think he is when it comes to covering tight ends. You know, that he doesn't just get out physical by guys like <laughs> Travis Kelsey and that he can also play the run, which I, I think when being yes. blocked by Kelsey, being blocked by Waller, he's going to be just fine in that matchup because he is so good as a tackler. Just have to see it, though. Well, that kind of leads us into the second part of the Count's question. That is, uh, with Darby, Bryce, and Pat all needing to be on the field, do you think they will run a crap ton of dime? Will Vic get creative, or will he stick to his archaic methods that got him the job in the first place? Um, And yeah, I think you're going to be able to play them. I mean, well put by Jake and and Hank. Yeah, you're going to be able to play those matchups, right? So I think against a team like KC, where it's going to be a lot of, you know, 11 personnel or even four wide with the tight end, you feel comfortable playing Sertain closer to the line of scrimmage where he's got the size, he's got the tackling, he's got that physical adage to his game and edge um, to really be an asset up front and allow you to play in dime. Now, that's not how you're going to want to play against the Tennessee Titans, obviously, right? Um, there you are going to have to go to more of a base look and heavier set. But I will say this about Vic. I think in his time with the Broncos and his time at different stops, he's shown an adaptability to the talent around him and not an insistence on, you know, trying to play the way they were playing in San Francisco when he had Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman and Alden Smith and Justin Smith up front. You know, he realizes talent is more on the back end here than on the front end, and he's he's tried to cater to that. Yeah, the the archaic comment kind of took me off guard a little bit because I actually think he's one of the more creative defensive coaches. And then, like Andre said, just in terms of being flexible, scheming to your personnel, all that stuff. Um, as far as going dime, I mean, I'd probably rather be in dime as much as I could, anyways. When you look at like, would you rather have those corners on the field or guys like Josie Jewell running around trying to cover these tight ends? So for me, that's a pretty simple decision. Hell yeah, especially like assuming AJ and all these other guys are healthy. But if, if Baron Browning ends up being a true linebacker with what he brings from his speed and what they've added, man, their coverage should significantly improve across the middle over the next couple of years. Baron Browning is going to be a huge linchpin for the defense in the future totally. of how this team plays really on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. yeah the, the other thing I'd add is, you know, out of, out of Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, the three corners plus or 10 now, I think what there's like three games where those guys are actually all healthy. 
like just being realistic, like out of those seven or whatever to all, first of all, come out of camp healthy to then stay healthy, to go all the way through. Like for most of the season, you're kind of going to be at least partially influenced by the injuries. Exactly. And that is worth keeping in mind. Um, And on top of that though, I do think that there's some front seven versatility. You know, you don't love what you have at the linebacker spot, but in the situations where you want to go heavier, having Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, uh, obviously Chubb, uh, Vaughn, yeah, Malik uh, Reed, in that Malik rotation. Reed. Yeah. There are a bunch of these guys, plus potential for more guys to pop. I mean, McTelvin Ajim, who knows what he is this year. Uh, mm-hmm. And then from there, Sternod, Baron Browning. I, I think that the versatility in the front seven gets overlooked a little bit too much just because it isn't necessarily quite as talented as the versatility in the back seven. There's just so many different combinations that you can have. And it's not like it's going to be one week. Oh, we're not even going to see these guys. It's going to be, we might only see them on third and seven and longer. And maybe we'll get heavier early on. And there's like the 50, 50 downs, you know, second and five, what do you do then that really dictates things. But with that's going to help people stay fresh in a longer season. There's just so many pieces each and every week, each and every play that Vic gets to choose from. That's a great point, and sorry to cut you off again, Andre, but I mean, when you look at how this defense has tried to be versatile over the years with Vic, um, in an ideal world where no one really gets hurt, I think you're going to see like 16, 17, 18 players get significant snaps on this defense just because there's so many different ways that they can really play everything. Yeah, that's going to be exciting, and... I mean, I do think in the Count's defense, that's what he's getting at with the archaic part. Because um, we all agree. I mean, Vic fairly adaptable and playing a, a very modern brand of football. But it's true in his time at the Broncos, he has insisted on having that second middle linebacker on the field basically at all times. Um, I think they've had to for the most part. Like they, they didn't have the depth in the secondary that they have now, at least not healthy. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, they certainly didn't. I mean, they were relying on Will Parks and a bunch of backup <laughs> cornerbacks that we will all have forgotten uh, their names, you know, in, in a couple months. I certainly have already. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really exciting, though, because the depth this year in the secondary at a totally different level than what we've had in a while. And as, as you mentioned, on the front seven as well. Um, and Browning is that movable chess piece, which is so exciting, both yeah. as a pass rusher and in coverage. So that was great. That was great. Thank you, Count, for reaching out. Thank you, fellas, for doing this. Always a blast. I really think we got into some some fun stuff for the NFC and some kind of some lessons that we can take with us as we go down that road of breaking down the 2022 draft. From here on forward, we're going to be able to do some fun stuff in the off season. Um, and yeah, just pre-ordered by Phil Steele magazine. 2022 is already on the way, baby. 90, 99 days away from college football opening day, boys. I have, I have a grievance with Phil Steele real quick. No, no. (laughs) save it for next episode. Ah, 23 different covers and we get to pick one. Come on. You should have no more than three covers. Some (laughs) people deserve to be on covers. Some people don't. What is this picking and choosing which three players you want to Come on. If the people Make a decision, want, Hank. That's what he does. Imagine you know, Sports Illustrated covers that for the last 60 years, there were 20 a week. And it's like, like, oh, guess what? I made a Sports Illustrated year versus cover. one what? every yeah. week, though. It's the bre- abbreviations like and stat layouts that I don't like. Uh, but we don't Ooh. have time for that, fellas. Um, Full pod next week on Phil Steele grievances. <laughs>
It sounds like that's the season <laughs> we're entering. So yes. <laughs> Word. We will be back next week. Thank you to everybody that listens to this. This is the DNBR Draft Pod presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Have a great weekend. Have a great week whenever you're listening to this. Much love.